Well, thank you so much for being here this evening. I don't know if we have visitors, but if you count yourself a visitor, we want to welcome you and invite you back at every opportunity you have to worship with us. What a week it's been. How great of a week has it been. Uh, we have glorified God this week. I believe that. And I'm trusting that God has accepted uh, the praise that we've offered him. I've, I'll tell you what I've noticed this week. I've noticed that there's people that's come to every service, and every service they have given 100% in their worship to God. Brethren, I believe that's what's required of us. I believe that after I go home and uh, this gospel meeting ends, and the, we'll meet again. You'll meet again in another service. When you come in here, whatever the best you have, give it to God. He's worthy. He's worthy. Let's give him everything that we've got every day that we have. Every day that we have is a gift to us. Let's give it back to him. And he just blesses us and blesses us and blesses us. I've been so blessed this week. I've counted myself unworthy of these great blessings to be with you. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I just appreciate so much the opportunity that I've had to be in these assemblies with you. To discuss God's word with you to pray with you, and to sing with you. And I trust and I hope that uh, if we don't see again in this life that we can uh, sing forever, and we can pray and personally with God, and meet Him at His throne in person, and see Him and praise Him together forever. And I trust that uh, we will have those opportunities. I believe we will, brethren. I believe we're going to the other side. I believe Jesus said we are, and I believe we'll go. I believe we'll go because Jesus purchased us with his blood. I want to thank uh, the elders here for giving me this opportunity, inviting me. There's so many preachers in our uh, association of brotherhood, in our churches all around that are so much more eloquent than I am, so much smarter. But somehow you decided that I was the man for the job this week, and I've just been blessed by that. And I hope that I've said something to encourage you, to uh, upbuild you, that you can have a, glory, a, a victorious life in the glory of God. I want you to do that. I want you to have a victory in, in your life, because Jesus has already purchased it. Let's live in praise to him and in, try to honor him in how we live and what we do. I want to especially thank Van and Diana for putting up with me. They gave me a bed and uh, get, fed me breakfast every morning. And, and uh, Diana, without Robin, she inspected me every, every day before I came to the service. Robin said, get somebody out there to look you over before you get in the pulpit. Somebody. Because I'm not going to be there and you go out half-hitched something. So Diana has filled those shoes of looking me over, and if I haven't looked good to you, it's her fault. <laughs> I also want to say that you are welcome any time that you come to Tennessee, and you are passing through our uh, community, and you have a, need a place to worship, or you need a place to stay. What I would ask is that you not all come at the same time. Uh, come come one family at a time. Our house is not that big, but you will be welcome, and uh, we are, we, we love to have people, and Robin is a good hostess, and uh, you're welcome, and we, we love you. 
I want you to know that. We love you. I also want to say that I'll be heading out uh, pretty quick, unless you've got a spiritual need that you want to talk to me about. Uh, if, if there's somebody here struggling spiritually and, they want to, and you want to talk to me, I'll stay as long as you need me to stay. And uh, we'll work through it, whatever you need. This evening, I want to look at a phrase in the Scripture, and I'm not going to get into anything deep or anything like that. Uh, it's a phrase that has always kind of uh, stuck out to me. Help thou my unbelief, out of the King James Version. Mark 9, verse 17 says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times he had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. What a desperate plea. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him and he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. If you can do anything, Lord, if you can do anything, help us. Jesus said, if you believe, you can do all things if you believe. I believe, Lord, but help thou my unbelief. That's a paradox. A paradox is something that's seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement. Proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. In this case, it was I believe, but I don't believe. We might think of a paradox as I am hot, but I'm cold. And that's been the case many times with people. Uh, I have a friend who uh, has neuropathy, and his feet burns him up. But it could be in a January cold day in Tennessee, and his feet's hot. He says, I'm hot, but I'm cold. It's a paradox. It seems a contradiction. Here seems a contradiction of faith. Lord, I believe, but I don't believe. How could that be? This is a statement that tells something about this man. And it tells something about us too. Our faith is not perfect. You do not have perfect faith, and I do not have perfect faith. 
Sometimes it gets down to the point, Lord, if you can do anything, help us. Have compassion on us. If you can do anything. Jesus said, I can do something if you believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. There are many paradoxes in the Bible. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometime if I have time, I'd like to go through and just catalog all the paradoxes to you and for you. There's, a, there's many, many paradoxes. These things that seem impossible, but they are possible. These things that seem contradictory, but they're truth. Take, for instance, you have to be poor to be rich. That's a paradox. It seems contradictory. How can I be poor and be rich? Of course, we understand that when Jesus was teaching that on the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about the riches of this world. We have to be able to surrender them. We're not going to live after those things, and then God can make us rich in spiritual matters, but as long as I am living for this world, I'm going to be poor in spiritual matters because the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and they're contrary one to the other, the Apostle Paul says, so that I can't do the things that I would. It's a paradox. Another one is we must lose our life to find it. I have to get to the end of my life. I have to understand what Peter understood, and we mentioned that this week in a study. Peter thought he knew everything. And the paradox is, is that he knew nothing. He did know some things, but he didn't know anything about what the future holds. He didn't know his own heart, and you don't either. And Peter got to the point where he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. And then he was at the end of himself, and he was at a surrender moment in his life. And then Jesus can take him and mold him and shape him. A paradox then is we have to lose our life to find it. The things that you so desperately cling to and that I desperately cling to, we will eventually lose. We will lose them in death. We will lose them in sorrow, oftentimes. But if I can lose my life and the value of that putting it as preeminence over Christ, then I can find spiritual blessings in Him. We have to lose our life to find it. Another interesting paradox is I have to die to live. This week we have seen seven baptisms. You could say, spiritually speaking, we have seen seven deaths. And they're wonderful deaths because they're a death to the old life, a death to the old man. When we surrender to Jesus Christ, then we die to our old life. And if I don't die to my life and the flesh and the carnal things of this life, I'll never be able to live. We have to live, die to live. The Apostle Paul said that I die daily, is what he said. What does he mean by that? He means that every day, it's a day of surrender to Jesus Christ. Every day of dying to the lust of the flesh. Every day, we have to kill that old man of the flesh. And we do that through surrender to Jesus Christ. We have to die to live. Some commands that are paradoxical are we have to give to the poor. But he also says don't cast your pearls before the swine when he talks about giving to the poor. There are many debates on what that means. I'm not going to go into that. But the paradox is, is casting your pearls before the swine. Who would do that? 
And he tells us not to do that, but many people do. Let your light shine. Don't practice in public to be seen of others. We are to let our light shine, but then when we are in public, we don't need to focus on us. There are so many people want to be in the spotlight. Get out of the spotlight. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about glorifying him. But naturally, it seems contradictory to let a light shine and then get out of the light, out of the spotlight. Help my unbelief is also a paradox. I believe, but I don't believe. It's interesting, but everyone in this audience believes something, and everyone has their share of unbelief. Even though these two things seem to be contradictory, you have them in your own life. And this man had them too. You believe in something. You trust in something. And then you have your share of unbelief. Have you ever made a decision in your life, in your, in your daily business life, and, and then at the end of it say, man, I doubt if that was the right decision. I don't know. I'm questioning that. How many of us have that kind of surety and confidence that every decision we make is the right decision? So we believe in something, but then we have our doubts about what we've just done. And the same is true spiritually. And we see a man here that received the blessings of God, though he did not have perfect faith. And we too could receive the blessings of God, though our faith is imperfect. There's going to be a time that our faith will be made perfect. Because it will be complete in its entirety with nothing else left to doubt. And that's why even the most evil man in this world who denies the Lord and says, I don't want anything to do with you, will bend a knee to him in that final day and call him Lord. But the question is, do I have a right to my own belief? That's what we need to understand that we do not. Though our faith is imperfect, and though our faith may seem to be perfect at times, and our doubt, we don't have a right to make the choice of what we're going to believe. We need to follow Jesus and what he teaches. Philippians 1 and 9 says, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. A man believes something, then he approves it by the way that he lives. Oftentimes we think about making that confession of Jesus Christ as I believe that he is the Son of God, and we think that our confession is done when we stand up before an audience right before baptism, but when we believe something, then we affirm it by the way that we live. Every day in your life, you're making a confession that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you are approving those things that are excellent. And that's what Paul says. That our love grows. That we, and our knowledge grows. So that we may approve those things. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. 2 Corinthians 1.13 says, For we write none other thing unto you than what you read or acknowledge. And I trust you shall acknowledge even to the end. We acknowledge those things we believe. You're, you're raising a right hand of acknowledgement by the way you live. Lord, 
I believe, help thou my unbelief. So it's not a question so much as how of the things that we are sure about of Jesus Christ. It's the question is of what we are doubting in and how are we lacking. And we show our doubt, we show our imperfect faith by those things that we are acknowledging in our life. Error exists according to the scripture in Matthew 7, 15. There are false prophets so if we acknowledge something that's false and we live after those false prophets, then our faith becomes dead. If it didn't matter what we believe, then there would be no need to teach each other. Of course it matters what we believe. And those things that we are doubting in and lacking in, we need to be careful what we are acknowledging. It's clear it matters what we acknowledge. What we believe, brethren, dictates how we and what we do. You know the story of uh, Cain and Abel? Let's read the passage. Genesis 4, beginning with verse 1. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought out of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. At Abel he also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The story of Cain and Abel is a story of belief and unbelief. The belief was is that Abel, when God told him what to sacrifice, he acknowledged that and he affirmed that his faith by what he did. He obeyed God. The unbelief was Cain, in whom when God told him what to sacrifice, Cain did not believe that it was necessary for him to obey God, and he didn't. So therefore, Hebrews writes that by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. When we hear God's word and we believe it, we affirm those things that we believe by the way that we live. I'm preaching good works to you. And I'm preaching good works stimulated by your faith. If you don't believe it and you're acting in a certain way anyway, then it becomes hypocrisy. You're nothing more than an actor. You're nothing more than an actor on a stage. Our sin generally comes then by affirming those things that we are in doubt about. And by because we are in doubt of those things, then our actions become questionable. Have you noticed people that uh, uphold their sin? It's always in a gray area in their life. Cohabitation. What about the, uh, the, the, the mantra today that's everywhere on every news media, every broadcast media, love wins. Love does win. But the message that they're sending is that it doesn't matter about your sexual preference as long as you love. How we behave toward that then dictates our belief and our unbelief. Do you believe God's word? Lord, help my unbelief. First John 4 verse 3 says, And every spirit confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, whereof you have heard it should come, even now already is it in the world. 
There was those that believed that Jesus came in the flesh and they taught such. Then there are those that taught that Jesus did not come in the flesh. They had the faith of that. We affirm what we believe. John clears matters up for us and says, if anyone tells you that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, they are teaching and they are of the spirit of the Antichrist. They are opposed to God. And it's already in the world then and it's in the world now, today. Matthew 16, 13 The scripture says, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's the highest point of faith. When we accept Jesus as deity, when he is God, There are many gods in people's minds in the world today, but Jesus is the Son of the living God. And Peter affirmed as much. John 11, 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead upon that confession. And the dead can be raised to life today upon that same confession. When we make a confession of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and then follow through in obedience, confirming our faith, confirming what what we have just said, it is the point of faith that saves we need help, however, in our, help, in, in our unbelief. One of the things that we need help in, I believe, and when we could say, pray the same prayer, that this man who had his son healed of demon possession, demon possession so severe that the, that evil spirit would tear him and torture him. Can you imagine? We need help in our unbelief regarding the Bible. Today, the Bible is under attack. It's always been under attack, but I don't think it's ever been under attack to the point that it is today. Because people are telling you that it's not even necessary for you to know your Bible. It's not necessary for you to read it. It's not necessary for you to try to understand it. What people are telling you generally is that you can't understand it. And then by clever arguments and clever debates, they try to show you how you can't understand it rather than taking God's word at its simplicity in a matter of faith. Help my faith, Lord. Help my unbelief regarding the Bible. I challenge you this evening to determine what you are struggling with in your unbelief in the Scripture. Pray to God that he help you with it, just like this man did. 2 Peter 1.21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That passage gives a lot of people a lot of problems because they simply don't believe it. They think the Bible is a book that is written by men to further some, uh, some man's agenda. However, we find here that the Holy Bible is inspired word of God. 
If you don't believe that, or if you have doubts about that, pray to God, help thou my unbelief. It's a prayer worthy of praying. I think we need uh, help in our unbelief regarding worship. Now, if we didn't have unbelief in worship, this building would be packed. There's plenty of people in Plainview, Texas, to pack this building. We've got a good crowd tonight, but brethren, this is not the case everywhere across this country. And there's room here this evening. We could still add more people. But there are many churches in this country that they are very sparse. And people are scattered in the pews. And in some cases, the churches are even closing because people don't feel it necessary to worship God. Now, if you have your doubts about the necessity of worshiping God, I pray that you will pray, Lord, help my unbelief. Matthew 15 and 8 says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrine, the commandments of men. I, t- I gave you the statistics last Sunday. Less than half of the people in this country are attending worship services anywhere of any kind, any flavor of, of what is called a Christian church. Less than half the people. Apparently, greater than half the people do not believe in the necessity of worshiping their Creator much less the necessity of following the doctrines of the Bible. If you're here this evening and you're having your doubts about the necessity, or if you're listening to this broadcast, and you're having your doubts of the necessity of worship, of your Creator, I pray that you say, pray the same prayer that this man prayed that had his son healed. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I see this paradox of worship played out in many lives. I see people that say, I can worship God in a tree stand hunting deer. I don't need to go to church. I I hear people say that I could worship God in a fishing boat on Sunday. I don't need to go to church. I have a belief that I need to worship. And I believe it's inherent within man because he was made after the image of God. And we see all people of all nations, of all tribes, of all men, they all have worshipped God. Have you noticed that? In some form, they've tried to worship their Creator. Help thou my unbelief, Lord. Let me not fall into a trap of vain worship. God has ordained how we are to worship Him. It's not new. He has always ordained how we are to worship Him. Help thou my unbelief. When we have those moments that we are questioning and doubting the ordinances of God over the ordinances of man, help thou my unbelief. Our worship is of necessity, brethren. God is a God who demands our worship. And he is worthy of our worship. I need help in my unbelief toward man. I really do. 
Luke 10, 25 says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willingly to justify himself said with Jesus, unto Jesus said, Who is my neighbor? I need help in my unbelief because sometimes I feel the same way as this man. How am I to view people? How am I to look at people? It's easy to look at my family and can see the best. You know, I see the best in my children when I look at them. I do. I've got a daughter that is, that is unfaithful to the church. She's a good, good girl. I love her. I recognize that she's not where she needs to be in her life, but I love her. I pray for her every day. Why can't I be that way toward other people? Why can't I be that way toward your children? Why can't I be that way toward my brother sitting on the pew that I know is living in such a way that's going to bring about destruction? He may come to church every Sunday. He may have this appearance, but help his unbelief toward that, but help my unbelief toward him. Why can't I see people like Jesus saw them? Jesus looked out over Jerusalem and he makes a cry that sounds like a mother. Now I've heard that cry, and you have too. I've heard that cry from many of a mother who saw their child wander off into the far country. I had one mother tell me, she said, about her son who was living in sin. She said, I dream. And she said, my son is in the flames of torment. My son is in the flames of torment. And, I, I, and he's crying for me. I'll tell you, if that won't break your heart, your heart is hard. Why, why can't I feel that way toward her son? Why can't I feel that way toward your child? And pray fervently for each other. Who is my neighbor? Lord, help thou my unbelief. When we could start loving each other just in a close similarity the way Jesus loved. And look out over Jerusalem as he did and said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, I would gather you under my wings. In other words, I would give you all of this protection. Just as a hen would gather her brood, she would not. And we get satisfied in our life and we forget about our unbelief. Our unbelief because after all, as we said in the first part of this lesson, isn't it our belief? We validate our belief by our actions, don't we? We do what we believe. We talk what we believe. Most of the time. 
I need help in my unbelief regarding salvation. My salvation. Yes, indeed. Acts 16, 27, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Had, had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? First of all, we need help in our unbelief and the fact that we need to recognize that we're sick and dying. And salvation literally means good health. It means health, a restoration of health. We need to realize that we're sick and dying just like this uh, prison guard realized that. Help my unbelief in realizing and, and, and recognizing that I need Jesus. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he in all his straight way. Now the scripture here uses the word saved. Sometimes we don't like to use that word because that may not sound appropriate. Brethren, you use what must I do to be saved? Saved from what? Saved from sin? There is a law. Romans 8 and 2 says it. It's called the law of sin and death. It's a law that was stated when man sinned for the first time. You eat of this fruit, you're surely going to die. That death that occurred in the, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve was more than physical death. Yes, the curse of physical death happened, but that curse that happened that day, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you'll surely die, they became estranged to God. They were separated and divided. What this man is asking then is salvation from his sins, but he's also asking salvation uh, in restoration to God. We need to help thou my unbelief in our need for restoration to God. You are not sufficient in yourself. And I'm not either. I cannot make it to heaven by myself. I have to have a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. When we follow the commandments that this man followed, and we believe that this man believed, help thou my unbelief. Help me to rise up out of the seat. Help me to be baptized. I know you commanded it. Help me to believe it. Then we need to be able to leave this building, brethren, and have the confidence that God has forgiven us of our sins. Not only that, but he is a mediator between us and God. And we become his child. How quick are you to throw away your child? I told you that I had a daughter that was not faithful, but I'm telling you, I'm not quick to throw her away. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you I'm not going to throw her away. I'm going to hold out, and I'm going to pray. Because I have a mediator. Help thou my unbelief. You and I can have the confidence in Jesus Christ because he has a finished work. We're going to the other side. We're going. 
if you're in him. And we can walk in victory and we can walk in confidence and we can speak boldly, not arrogantly, not with pride, but we can be bold if we believe. Help thou my unbelief. Scripture says in Acts 2, 37, and when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The measure of our belief is the measure of our actions. Help thou my unbelief. I pray that your unbelief tonight can turn into belief. I pray that you can have the action of faith of dependence upon God. I pray that you can have the confidence if you are a child of God that you can walk in this life without fear. I pray that you can walk in this life without anxiety and worry. If you're a child of God, I pray that you can, your unbelief could be turned into belief. I pray that you can live your life glorifying God. I pray that we can take our responsibilities to each other seriously. And that instead of asking a question for argument of who is my neighbor, we could say, there's my neighbor and I love them. And I know he has trouble and I'm going to pray for him. I, can't, I may not do anything else. I can't do anything else, but I can pray. There's a woman in Oklahoma that I visited her house. And I walked in and she's got a prayer board on her wall. We had a prayer board in our little church building at home. We'd write names on that prayer board. I walk in there and she's got my name on it. praying for me. Maybe that's all she can do for me. Lord, help thou my unbelief. Don't quit praying. Don't quit looking for a way to help, to love, to bring people to Christ. What you do is so effective because what you do is spurned by love not out of pride not out of fear not because you're afraid God's going to send you to hell if you don't do it what you do is because you love God and loving God you love your neighbor and just prayer prayer for each other, a phone call, a visit. Lord, help thou my unbelief. An invitation. Weep when they weep. Laugh when they laugh. Have the compassion of our Savior. 
Lord, help thou my unbelief. Tonight, we're going to invite you to come to Jesus Christ. It's the final invitation of this week. It's not the final invitation, hopefully, unless the Lord comes back. But you may, may be the final invitation for you. I simply don't know, and you don't know either. I pray that your unbelief can be turned into faith tonight. The measure of our belief is the measure of our actions. How much you believe is what you will act on. Come to Jesus while we stand and sing.